Hello and thank you for joining us for another Grazia Life Advice podcast. This is Rhiannon Evans and it's great to be with you as always. Our brilliant woman this week is a cricketer. She was just 17 when she became the first woman of South Asian origin to represent England in any sport. Hi, I'm Isha Guha, former England cricketer, now BBC and Fox sports broadcaster. Isha made her international debut in 2002 and went on to win both the Ashes and the Cricket World Cup. Those are memories I will never ever forget to be able to experience things with them as well. On the back of it, you know, the celebrations through London in 2005 where we're on this open top bus through jam-packed streets and it feels like we're at a rock concert. (laughs) These days she is lead presenter for BBC Sports coverage of cricket's newest format, The Hundred which she's very excited about. As you mentioned, the music side of things, uh, BBC are partnering up with BBC Music Introducing. Mm-hmm. I personally think cricket and music naturally intertwines anyway. I mean, my husband's a musician um, and he loves his cricket. There's some great advice in this chat, all drawn from various members of Isha's family, who sound like brilliant, wise people, by the way. And as you'd expect, there's plenty on dealing with high-pressure situations. You have to be quite hardened to the fact that you will fail And I've had many failures in my life, in cricket, in studies, in relationships. You sort of almost crave those moments because you see it as a learning experience and how you can be better. You actually probably learn more when you fail. So let's get started. Here's Isha Guha. Hi Isha, how are you today? I'm very well, thanks Rhiannon. I'm really excited. I'm a bit of a 2020 fan myself and we've got this new cricket competition coming haven't we called the 100 which you're part of the coverage for this summer and if you're not a cricket fan though can you explain what the 100 is and why you should care yes it's cricket's newest format the first of its kind anywhere around the world it's fun it's exciting it's new it's innovative essentially it's 100 balls in one innings you have to try and score as many runs as possible in that innings and then the next team gets to bat and has to score more than that to win the game so hopefully it's slightly more simplified Mm -hmm. uh, but we get to see some of the best players in the world on show playing together in the same team the men and the women are under the same banner the same brand yeah and uh, looking forward to it all all being covered on the BBC as well on radio and on television Yeah, it's really exciting because the BBC are making a massive deal of this. I think they're going to have live music at the grounds and things like that. And we should say it's within the UK. So, you know, we can go. I know you can't go and visit, you know, your New Zealand's and your South Africa's this year to go and watch cricket, but you can watch some in the UK. I think it's really exciting as well that there's as much prominence being given to the women's game. Is that something you're you're happy to see? Yeah, of course. Uh, I, I just think it being played side by side, it's just fantastic that we've got all of the England players playing. So Heather yeah. Knight and the rest of the girls who won the the World Cup back in 2017, they're going to be uh, standing side by side with some South African internationals, Indian internationals who are coming over, some really exciting cricketers. So, <laughs> I mean, there, there's some big names coming across and yeah. we've got some really exciting talent coming through domestically as well. So it all kind of... It's working together to create this incredible, incredible atmosphere. But as you mentioned, the music side of things, uh, BBC are partnering up with BBC Music Introducing. Mm -hmm. And I personally think cricket and music naturally intertwines anyway. I mean, my husband's a musician um, and he loves his cricket. I don't know whether it's a case of, you know, when they're in the recording studio, they just love watching cricket because it's, you know, goes on for days and it's in the background. (laughs) Um, But just the fact that, you know, we've been music starved 
live music starved. I think it will be fantastic to have that atmosphere at the grounds. Yeah. And obviously it shows how much the women's cricket game has moved on since you made your debut. I think 2002 was it when you made your debut. And how does it feel watching? Do you wish you were out there or are you glad to have started the path? How does it feel? Uh, I am very comfortable being in the position I'm in now (laughs) and letting the girls do their thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's extraordinary really just to see how the game has evolved and Mm. the skill levels that the girls possess these days I don't envy the amount of hours they put into their sport right yeah (laughs) Uh, I mean I was very fortunate to be part of a team that went from being a a pretty ordinary one to being the best in the world so Mm. that's something that can never be taken away and something I will treasure forever that that group of players that that went to becoming the best team but I you know I miss the professional era and that's not a bad thing either I mean I was very fortunate to be able to do other things outside of cricket it's just fantastic that young girls coming into the sport now see it as a viable option to, to yeah. be able to do it full time. So that, that is where we've got to in our sport. And it's it's wonderful to see alongside, you know, all the support that the girls now get through broadcast. Mm-hmm. It's all about eyeballs and visibility. And I think we're, we're getting that now, which is fantastic. Yeah, especially having that first game in the BBC. Have you got um, have you got cricket backs in the bats in the corner behind oh, you? Um, there is a cricket bat and <laughs> just <laughs> this a stump. Oh, wow. it took me ages to get that stump that's that's the world cup winning stump from 2009 <gasps> fantastic <laughs> oh god that's great right we have you here to get your best advice and some worst at the end but let's start with the best and I love what you've done here you've kind of talked about different people in your life giving you different pieces of advice so as I think is only fitting your first piece is from your mum so can you share what that is please Yes, uh, mum gave me loads of advice over um, the course of my childhood, um, but into, you know, playing for England and and beyond that as well. Um, but one of the first things she ever told me was, there's no such thing as can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so that kind of set me on my way pretty early that uh, I could try and achieve as much as possible or, you know, if there were any obstacles in the way I would try and find ways around it that's such a mum phrase isn't it and sometimes it's welcome sometimes you're like mm, sometimes there is things that can't. <laughs> um, and how did that manifest for you I mean looking for, for instance just at cricket to start off with I mean I presume there wasn't much of a women's game growing up where you could look to see this is what I want to do yeah I mean when I first started playing so I would have been seven or eight there weren't any girls teams around so I, dad actually started a a women's section at the the local cricket club. I started playing with the boys and and then we started to get to know about women's clubs that were sort of far and wide and, and they got me involved with those clubs. And to be honest, when I first started, I didn't know there was an England women's team mm. uh, until I was maybe 11 or 12 when I first came across an England cricketer, a female cricketer. Yeah, it was it was always a case of, you know, you'd be, you'd be put in sort of uncomfortable environments, you know, being the only girl in a in a boys team. Um, but just that message, that messaging that always came through, which was, you've got to try and push your way through those uncomfortable mm-hmm. feelings, um, and and you'll be rewarded for it. And and you're right. Uh, I think you know there were times where I genuinely just didn't want to go back to something. Mm. And Mum would always say, you know, that's fine, that's fine, but you will regret it if you stop it now and you don't. Tr- try that try the hard Mm -hmm. path 
So I, I guess that is something that I've always applied to every scenario in life is being attracted to things that make me uncomfortable, that challenge me, and, and seeing if I can actually can actually get around it. Yeah. And as you kind of touched on, I guess it's not just in cricket, you had a, a life outside of cricket as well with the nature of the game as it was. You went to university. I mean, was there hard, hard paths in that side of life as well? Uh, I think being able to juggle the two, mm. but it was always a message I tried to give to to other teenagers trying to play cricket, especially from from a South Asian background that, you know, it, it was possible to do both and mm. I was able to do both. You know, I, w- I was playing for England at school and I, I was still able to play for England when I went to university and it was just a case of managing everything and prioritizing at the right times and you kind of learn to navigate your way through that but you know I I was still able to have a social life as well you know I, that wasn't sacrificed and that was again another lesson that, that I got from all of that is that you are able to do everything if, if you manage yourself well and and are organized and, and there are some things that will take precedence sometimes for example when it was exam exam time mm-hmm. you know the focus would be on my studies and then when it came to to like an international tour I would make sure that I was fully focused for that when it came around so yeah that's all a part of how you can manage yourself and and the idea that you can't do something yeah absolutely and you've moved straight on to your dad's piece of advice so you know they get equal billing that's fine which is help people without expecting anything in return is tell me how he came to talk to you about that I'm not sure how we actually came across that, but I do remember him saying it to me because mm-hmm. he is a very generous person. It's not something you really think about, is it? It's something that maybe as you go through life, when you've helped someone out, you expect someone to do the same for you, yeah. but that's not always the case. And then and then feeling pretty disappointed by that. Mm. But actually you shouldn't because you shouldn't expect it you know you're you're there to help you're not expecting anything in return when you want to help someone and I think that's to be able to go through life and be able to do that um I think is quite liberating actually uh Mm. and and then you don't become disappointed in things that really aren't that that important so he it's something that he's he's lived his life doing yeah and is it something you've taken into life in the sense of how does it manifest for you you, do you you mentor people and things like that is that something that's important to you yeah absolutely I mean it was all part of the way mum liked to go about things as well in that she liked she would call it forwarding people so being able to kind of help guide people on their path I mean she was a she was a teacher and Anytime she spoke to anyone, she would always ask them about, you know, what they wanted to achieve and how they were going to do it. And I, I very much have taken that on. Um, so I, I do enjoy that. I enjoy being able to, to talk to different people and, and figure out how, you know, they, they might want to to get more out of life or achieve more in life. I, I mean, that's just something that I suppose I am getting something back because it makes me feel good to be able to talk to someone about yeah. about things like that but um yeah just 
I guess when it comes to charity work or things that I really am passionate and care about, um, I'm not expecting anything in return. I'm just doing it because, because I want to, I want to do it. I want to help, help that particular side of things. And it, it can be, you know, whether it's do- donating money or giving people some time. Mm. Um, I think time is, is quite a big one for me because things are things are so busy these days so when I do give my time to something I want to do it properly and and that is another way of, of being able to help someone as well yeah I love that phrase forwarding people that's so nice I love that <laughs> yeah she used it a lot <laughs> but uh yeah she's she was an incredible incredible person yeah that's absolutely gorgeous please could you share your third piece of advice which I love it's from your granddad yes uh my granddad, originally from what is now known as Bangladesh, but moved to Kolkata at the time of partition in 1947 mm-hmm. uh, with my, my grandma and his kids as well. So that's my mum's dad. And he sadly passed away last year. He, he passed away to COVID, but I would go and see him every year pretty much because I would be working out there for the Indian Premier League anyway. Mm. Um, but go and see my grandma. He was incredibly coherent, actually. Even at the age of 95, 96, he was wow. still kind of, he still had this incredible memory. And so proud of my grandma as well, who she was a singer and he would always play her music when we went round. <sighs> uh, and I think just that, that, that whole side of the family actually were very, very aware of poetry and uh, loved English. And I, I think there was a, a, a real movement in Kolkata at that time. It was obviously a British made uh, mm. city, but a lot of Indian poets came out of there. And yeah, this was a thing that he always used to say like, bubbles in the water, nothing is everlasting. And it it kind of if you if you read it out it can seem quite negative mm. to say well that's that's not going to last forever <laughs> but but actually if you have that mindset then again nothing surprises you so it it's basically the circle of life to to be able to enjoy the things you have while you have them and to be able to move on once they're gone uh, so and, and I think that's a really important way to live life actually mm. I'm so sorry if you're lost but you know that's such a beautiful visual image you can see it straight away can't you you can mm. take it on board straight away yeah thanks Rhiannon yeah it, he was again another incredible person in my life and again that, that whole side of the family they all had sayings like that really so <laughs> <laughs> Are you, do you, are you one of those people, one of those families where people are always kind of giving each other advice and shouting uh, mottos at each other? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, you just had to hear them speak in Bengali and you, it would feel like they were shouting, but but they weren't. They were just yeah. having a normal conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, advice is always helpful, as we say in this podcast. We'll be back with more from Isha after this. Hi, Isha. I love this one. You say this is your general mantra. You only live once. That's, you know, what else more do you need to know? But tell me about that. Just to experience everything life has to offer. We're only here once. It's not a dress rehearsal. It's mm. we're here, we're living. And while we have the opportunity to, then I, I just, 
I feel like I want to be put in situations that, like I said before, that challenge me, that help me grow as a person, that you can experience everything. And I, I've been very fortunate through playing cricket to have, you know, travelled around the world and experienced lots of different things, to have ha- had doors open for me to, to be put in situations which are really quite extraordinary. But it's all part of, you know, it's all part of living, I guess. And mm. I guess I'm attracted to people who think the same. Uh, so you've had loads of great experience in your life. I think at 17, you were the first woman of South Asian origin to ever represent England in any sport. To me, that'd be a huge thing. But is there any other moments in your career so far where you're like, I never thought I would end up in this position? Yeah, I mean, that that one in particular was not really something I thought about at mm. all until I guess I finished playing and then I realized the impact it was having on younger girls and their ability to to think that they could do something I've always loved being part of a team so being able to be part of that side that won the world cup in 2009 to win the ashes with a team you know those are memories I will never ever forget to be able to experience things with them as well on the back of it you know the celebrations through London in 2005 where we're on this open top bus through jam-packed streets going from Mansion House to Trafalgar Square and it feels like we're at a rock concert um (laughs) to be able to tour with my husband as well so him playing at Glastonbury um and to be to be there him do his thing um with his his bandmates was again another incredible experience to be able to travel the world and and I guess to to be able to work now with legends of the game that I grew up watching um, and and to be able to call them friends, I think is, again, something I just, that's something I'd never expected to happen. So yeah, it's all been an incredible journey and I'm I'm very, very, very fortunate to, to have had that. You're still so young, you know, when you look at like how long a career, especially, you know, a sporting career can go on for punditry wise and things. What other ambitions do you have in the future? When I was playing cricket, the goal was always to be the best team we could be. Mm. And so, you know, we did have a very kind of specific goal in mind. We want to be here by this point. We want to win a World Cup in four years' time. We need to do this. These are the steps we need to take to get there. Whereas now, for me, um, when I first started broadcast, it was, again, it wasn't anything that I thought I would be doing seriously just because I didn't think I was good enough to do it. And then I started getting confidence doing it and I thought, well, I just want to be the best I can be. So being able to learn as much as possible, be the best commentator I can be, be the best presenter I can be. And and that's the goal, really. It's it's to be the best I can be every single time I, I go out on television or on radio. And and through that, you know, other, other opportunities will come. So it, it's never been a case of that's what I want. I want yeah. to do that. I, I do think of things that might be fun to do, but I'm not pushing myself to really want to do something or have a a goal at the end of it. It's really a case of just be the best you can be. Hmm. Fantastic. Your fourth piece of advice is that every experience is a learning experience. Tell me, tell me about that. Yeah. And I mean, I I guess this came through playing cricket Mm -hmm. that you have to be quite hardened to the fact that you will fail. And I've had many failures in my life, both in cricket in studies in relationships and you sort of almost crave those moments because you see it as a learning experience and how you can be better you actually probably learn more when you fail 
and even recently I, I think it helped me with um so my mum passed away a couple of years ago and it helped me through that whole period in terms of being able to deal with that situation right. and understand that you know at the end of it all even the grieving process was a was a learning experience for me mm. and something that I feel like I can pass on to other people you can't ever help someone unless you've been through it yourself I think yeah. and you can maybe help guide people to to be able to getting the best advice they can but to be able to go through that myself and to be able to navigate my way through it um, on my own obviously with the support of others but you do have to do that yourself mm. and seeing it as an experience even though it was a really difficult one I think and probably the the most difficult of my life actually I think mm. um again it's it's another way of approaching things in life whereby you're able to come out the other side yeah absolutely and it, it links to your final piece of advice from your husband yeah which is to smile in the face of adversity. I mean, that can be, as you said, in the same as treating things as a learning experience, that can be tough in the moment, right? Yeah, it really can. And he was, and you're right, it absolutely does link because he gave me that piece of advice when mum was ill. So, Mm. and he is someone who tries to bring the kind of laughing in the face of adversity. When you're in your at the lowest of lows if you can't smile at yourself you're never going to be able to do that I think Mm. to be able to make light of a situation even though it is probably the hardest thing you'll ever go through I think there's merit in that for sure Uh, otherwise otherwise I I really do think it's it's too hard sometimes Mm. so he is he is one person that's kind of helped me through that and he is very good at, at being able to laugh at himself and I think it is important to laugh at yourself in, in different situations as well. Can't take yourself too seriously. So, yeah, I, I, I'd I say that that was one way of dealing with a really dark period. Yeah. And great to have a partner who will keep that side of you going and, and keep that moving. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, as I think you said earlier, we can learn the most from failure. So we do always ask people about some terrible advice they've had. Because it's interesting uh, to see what we can learn from that. Tell me what that is for you. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear what everyone else says, but <laughs> I, I think it is unique to that, to your personality and, and mm. you as a person. I remember getting some advice. It was the World Cup final and um, I was told to relax. And, and actually, people ask me to do meditation and I find right. that by relaxing too much that can actually have the opposite effect on me because I I need to have a certain level of tension or nerves to be able to to be able to manage a situation and again that's probably a personality thing but if I relax too much then that can become overwhelming and I I don't feel like I'm in the right headspace to be able to deal with something so for me that the lesson from that was learn which advice to take on board (laughs) But that that comes with knowing yourself as a person. So, you know, when we were playing cricket, we were always taught to take advice on board, but there will be so many people advising you, Mm -hmm. so many different coaches that you have in your life. Different players will say, oh, maybe you should look at this or look at that. And you have to really kind of take on board 
the essential things that you think are going to make yourself better and that's mm. that's up to you that's not on anyone else that's up to you to be able to go again through that journey to, of discovery to to finding out how you can be better as a player but you know I that can translate into life anyway in terms of just how it can make you better as a person just being able to take the right advice or, or what what is true to you but that again mm. comes with experience of of knowing what works for you as well yeah and to be able to harness your nerves and anxiety and use them for good is obviously such a skill and you know does work for a lot of people too absolutely i think there are there are times where it can be quite overwhelming the anxiety ahead of something really important or big and mm. it's it's just reminding yourself that you've been able to get through it before and and the certain cues that you use to be able to to again try and navigate your way through those those scenarios mm. yeah there, there may be different feelings associated with different things and you just got to find a way of of being able to get through it and if you get to a certain point in your life and you, you're a bit over it and you just can't be bothered with those those feelings of anxiety or nerves then then do something different <laughs> yeah that's true yeah <laughs> your body is telling you something yeah absolutely yeah Thank you so much for joining us, Isha. I've absolutely loved talking to you today. And The 100 is all across the BBC on TV, radio and across BBC Music. Thanks, Rihanna. Thanks for having me. Uh, great to chat with you. So brilliant to have Isha Guha with us. If you haven't checked out The 100 on BBC Sport yet, do take a look this summer. There's lots to love, even if cricket hasn't necessarily been your thing previously. As ever, thank you for joining us. I know we ask this a lot, but if you ever get a chance, please take five seconds to rate and review Grazia Life Advice in your podcast player. It really helps us reach new listeners. See you soon.